In business and life, relationships are everything. Welcome to the People Catalyst Podcast, where we interview top business leaders and learn how they build relationships with their teams, clients, and those that promote and refer them. Here's your host, business trainer and leader of the People Catalyst team, Carla Nelson. In order to get things done three to eight times faster, you need to find a mover. This is a person who uses the boundaries between people of different strengths to move the team ahead. If you don't have this person, nothing of value gets done. Get a mover, use the hoodoo method to become a people catalyst, and change becomes your ally. And welcome to the People Catalyst podcast. My co-host, Alan Fadden. Hello, Carla. Hello, hello. How are hello. you today? Life is good. Happy good, to be here. Good. Yes, good, good. And um, I'm so excited to be doing the part two of how to get things done on the People Catalyst podcast. And as you all know, uh, we talked about in part one, and we didn't really have enough time in the podcast to cover both the ideation stage as well the as well as the implementation stage. And these two stages are completely critical uh, in the Hoodoo Method, but they're also very different in how each of those stages are managed. And so, you know, if you haven't listened to How to Get Things Done Part 1, um, you have to go back and listen to it. But we did have a few listeners ask about the agreements that we discussed, right? So what we call the 10 you-dos that make, uh, you know, that help you with your clients in, in engaging in the big picture, especially within the ideation stage, 50,000 foot view, or also in the implementation stage. So it doesn't really matter uh, which stage you're in, but you have to keep in mind that the 10 you do's are something you must do, right? Within both of these stages, as different as they are, to be successful with the hoodoo method. And so how about this, Alan? How about I go ahead and I'll lay out each of the 10 you do's and then you can give an example and the explanation of why we have the agreements with the 10 you do's. Great idea. Okay, perfect. So number one, know thyself, mover, shaker, prover, or maker. This is the key to everything. You've got to know what your strengths are and what your weaknesses are. If you're working in your weakness, you go home at the end of the day drained while you're doing the work. You're slow. Uh, you've lost your energy and, uh, and you're bored. You're not liking it. And uh, we want to change the way we work. So each one of us knows whether we're a remover, a shaker, a prover, or a maker, or some combination of two of those or even what we call a one which is a combination of all fours, but that's only 1% of the population. Know thyself. Know your strengths. Love that one. <laughs> it <laughs> starts there, right? I just remember that uh, quote, I think it was Socrates, literally the entire quote, two words, know thyself. <laughs> right? Really important. Okay. Love and so number two of the 10 you do's is know thy coworker. And that's ditto. Who, so who are you working with? This is, this is critical because it's not only important in communication, not only important in the makeup of the team, but it's important as to who hands off the work to whom. 
And we'll get into that in number four about your natural in and out box. But just know this, you've got to know who comes next and what you can go to that other person for. Yes. Oh, I love it. The relay method. Yeah. And if you haven't read the white paper, that will help you a lot with number two of the 10 you do's. And number three is use your strength to determine your role. That's the most, uh, that's the most ignored part of everything. And that's why we're, we really need to change the way that we work because people are forced into roles that they don't want to be in, or they're not any good at, they're not naturally good at. And, but if you, if you change things around where you can actually change the work to fit the people, then you can use your strengths to determine your role. And you should be doing way more of that work. Most people work in their strengths, according to research, less than 17% of the time. And we should be working in our strength 60, 70, even 80% of the time. Nice. And number four of the 10 you do's is know your natural inbox and outbox and how they fit with others. And this is all about fit and sequence. How do people fit together correctly? One of the things happens if you produce an idea, let's say ideas are your natural outbox, and you take it to a person whose natural inbox is is uh, something that they want to critique, you're already in trouble. So you want to fit your natural inbox or outbox to the next person's natural inbox. That's a great connection. Then the work flows. If that fit isn't there, things blow up. They uh, have to be started over. You throw away work. It's a disaster. (laughs) I love that one. But honestly, number five might be my absolute favorite on the 10 you do's, which is know your run home to mommy and be accountable when you do. Yeah. And think of your run home to mommy is to actually, it's the same thing as running away from the team. So for example, I'm a shaker. And so when I get in distress and I got to fix things and I'll go off by myself and I'll start producing ideas. Well, this doesn't help anybody because maybe that's not the phase we're in. We don't need ideas. Maybe I need to communicate with the team. Maybe I need to be accountable because uh, if there's a lack of communication, then the team breaks down. And a lack of accountability, which is basically, you know, I need to keep my word and deliver what I say I'm going to deliver. Running home to mommy is usually a situation where I'm, I'm stressed and I just go back to early behavior and, and pretty much blow up the whole team. <laughs> and we all in every single one of our strengths, Alan, has a run home to mommy. I know yeah. as a mover, my run home to mommy is to get so organized, I'm not actually getting much done, right? Like I'm completely looking at, oh my gosh, this needs to be organized and these things need to be put in complete sequence. And at the end of the day, we all have an objective and there's some type of a goal associated with it. Um, For a prover, a run home to mommy would be just completely obliterated or even think, you know, we're not even including the secondary strengths here, Alan. So Think about a prover shaker, right? You, oh, yeah. uh, I, you know, you, <laughs> yeah, you come up with the idea, right? Every, you go through the ideation stage and then you decide what you're going to move forward with, right? You get all the way to the prover and all of a sudden they go, oh my gosh, there's something wrong with it. Their secondary strength is a shaker. The likelihood they're just going to create something else <laughs> is, it's a, it's a doom loop, team, right? Okay. 
they create an idea, they kill it. They create an idea, they kill it. They create an idea, they kill it. And on and on and on. Yeah. And so I love how you put the run home to mommy being a part of it is a lack of communication because you're saying you're putting your hand up and saying, hey, guys, look, you're my team. I need to communicate this with you. Right. And then the accountability to say, guess what? This is what I am. This is who I am. And that's okay. It's just that you have to be accountable to the agreements that you're making. Let's not forget the maker. Makers run home to mommy. I'm going to go into my cubicle and sit in front of I was just going to say, I'm going to sit in my corner and act act like you don't exist. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. So we all all have, have We all have our own. Yeah, I love it. I love it. And then the number six is be concise and don't grandstand on the you do uh, top 10. Oh, yeah. The, uh, somebody once said, uh, <clears throat> when I ask you what time it is, I don't want you to build me a watch. And people can go on and on and on in meetings demonstrating how much they know and how brilliant they are and why their idea is such a great idea or why their plan is such a great idea, why their critique is so well-informed and well-founded. Uh, and the, the, that, that just adds to the time and doesn't convince anybody. So what's better is just clear communication, and that's what the hoodoo process really allows for and, and actually makes, makes happen because we mostly cut all that out. Nonetheless, yeah. we should be aware and think, if I, there's a chance here I'm grandstanding, I might say, here's two ideas, and uh, does anybody need to know more about them, or are they clear? Boom. No grandstand. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And especially, you know, uh, though the, number six is a, a slightly different in the ideation stage versus the implementation oh, stage, where yep. uh, they're the same, but different in the fact that when you have your team and you're trying to decide on an idea that, yeah, you're right. You don't need a ton of information. You're right. Because at the end of the day, the mover is actually deciding the, you know, the, the best idea or collection of ideas or the prioritization of a collection of ideas. Whereas when you look at the implementation stage, the one thing I love about that is that you can really truly separate the shakers and the provers. So when I go to a Shake or the shakers and the provers. When I go to the shaker, you don't have to tell me like a million things about the idea because without the prover, you're you know, you might have picked the best idea, but you're (laughs) it's like you're still going to go through this entire process, right? Of saying, Hey, what are the big picture aspects? It doesn't matter what part of the process that you're in, and so you know, until you actually get to the maker grandstanding doesn't really have a place in the process. Like and grandstanding True. doesn't at all, but still you're not even into the granular details on either side of it, right? To even, you know, speak to the point of saying, um, you know, and in, in, in this regard, grandstanding saying, I'm just taking up time, right? It's not necessarily, I'm trying to prove a point. It's, uh, or maybe it is, you know, here's the best idea. I'm trying to prove a point or, here's all the things that you didn't think about. I'm trying to prove a point. But at the end of the day, it's, you know, how do you get this thing accomplished, right? And what are the details, which doesn't include somebody owning it so much that they're quote unquote grandstanding. Good one. Yeah. And then number seven, 
Respect the maker's desire to stay out of initial meetings. Oh, I love this one. Well, this is this is funny because when we're together with groups, we always ask the makers, do you even want to be in this ideation meeting? And uh, raise your hand if you'd rather be not in the meeting and going and doing something else that might be real work. Every hand comes up. They just <laughs> Every makers, I love it. And the, and and the funny thing is, almost the entire room erupts in laughter. <laughs> well, and and let's remember, the human organism is attracted to pleasure and repelled by pain. And to a maker, these ideation meetings are nothing but but pain. You know, people are throwing out these ideas that are unfounded, and all they can see is, oh, that's going to ruin everything. That's a disruption to the system. How can we fit that in? We don't. We have to. We'll have to hire temps. We've never done that with the loading dock before, and so forth. So it's just nothing but pain for them. And you might yeah. even say in the implementation phase that the shaker, uh, when you get into all those details in the implementation phase, it's the shaker is the one who for most of the meeting doesn't want to be there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, is that's very true. Why? Because you're getting into the details. Yes. Right? And you're trying to get all the T's crossed, the I's dotted, and make sure. Now, boring. yeah, it's boring. Now, here's the balance. And that's why I think uh, that six is uh, a balance because we're saying, hey, don't grandstand to the point you own it to a certain degree. But at the at the end of the day, you have to balance pulling in each side on yes. what their input is, right? So if I go to a shaker and I go, oh my gosh, I've got this problem and you know, we picked this idea, we need to get it implemented and we're hitting this roadblock. What are the things, how do you think we could, go, could overcome that? They're going to naturally go, boom, 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 boom. But you can't pull them into then talking to the prover and going, wow, you know what? I think this is how we can overcome it. Uh, what do you think, you know, we need to look at associated with this? Yeah. You know, because they're so, they, as you implement, and that's what we're talking about in this podcast, as you implement the level of uh, data associated with it is just, it's just at a higher stake. It's not 50,000. You get down to 25,000 and then 10,000 and then 5,000, right? And then you're flying 500 feet above the ground. Those are all different. Under the radar. Yeah, exactly. When you're under the radar, the shaker's like, are you kidding me? Unless you have like a dire situation that they need to overcome, right? Where they need to come in with some type of a solution the likelihood you're going to pull them into what you're doing is just, you know, it's not going to be their natural strength. Right. So, right. yeah. And then um, number eight, trust the process and don't let anyone derail it, even those in authority. Yes. Uh, the person who signs the check or the person who's your boss will often feel like they've earned the right to come in and and kind of trashed everything everybody's doing and listen to me this is important yeah uh, depending on their strength oh my gosh how many times has this been a disaster for us or any of our trainers oh and and you can't you can't tell them to be quiet you can't get up and leave the room anything is rude and insubordination but what you can do is make agreements in advance to do this and then talk about the the consequences uh, you know you do want us to get this done and perform and you know find out what's important to that person and then uh, have them leaving you alone 
at the right time uh, or sub- being involved, but subscribing to the process. Yep. And, and that's uh, the first part, right? Trust yep. the process yep. and then don't let anyone derail it, even those in authority. And so, yeah, the best thing you can do courage. sometimes is get that. Exactly. It does take courage. Uh, and, and you have to have that conversation before going into working with yes. a team is the fact that I get it. You're in charge or quote unquote, you're paying the bill or anyone else for that matter of fact, right? It's just that that tends to be the majority of the individual that, you know, doesn't continue to keep the agreement or, you know, in lack of an agreement, um, has, is the most challenging to deal with, but, you know, trusting the process, go ahead. When you're in the meeting, it's a lot easier to say and to hear from the person in authority. Uh, remember the agreement we made as opposed to shut up, you're derailing the whole meeting. <laughs> it's just a nicer yeah. conversation. <laughs> yeah, remember the agreement we made. Exactly. Awesome. And then number nine, which is stay in your own lane. Biggie. Big E. This is one of my biggies. And it's so funny because we violate that just as <laughs> much as anybody oh. else. When we're doing a training, all of a sudden I'll go, ooh, ooh, I got an idea. I got an idea. Yeah, we've got three of our main master trainers. We (laughs) do trainings all the time, and we've got a major shaker, a major mover, and a major prover. And frequently we have to keep ourselves to stay in our own lanes, you know. And of course, go ahead. Well, and we're really fighting everything we've learned by being in the workplace. You know, it's like... You know, the old saw is, uh, well, if you're not part of the solution, you're part of the problem. So in other words, we think that if we have a problem, we have to immediately solve it ourselves. Well, that puts a terrible stress on provers, for example, because we're just saying, you know, tell us everything that can go wrong. No, don't solve it. Just tell us what can go wrong. It's just an idea. We're going to write it down and then we're going to have the shaker solve it. Well, We've all been had a drum into our heads. If we raise a problem, we're a bad person if we don't provide a solution. So instead, say to the prover, just hold on to that solution, and uh, and if the group can't come up with anything better, then we'll then we'll bring it out. Yeah, exactly. And then um, I love the last one because this comes up so frequently, especially with one of the major. Um, communication points we've had in the past couple years in regards to college educations and, you know, how we're preparing our workforce. But number 10, move all work from function management to role management. Yeah, And that's a, you know, it, it, if we can't understand the category that we're dealing in or the status quo that we're replacing, <clears throat> then it's going to be very hard to get anything, anything new or original done in this case uh we need a language so that we can we can address the way we work for the last 150 years function management what does that mean here's your job here's your function you do it from beginning to end okay so you you, no matter how terrible you might be at the beginning and how great you might be at the end still do it from beginning to end well it makes no sense and and we've demonstrated that time Time and again, is if you work in your strength, it goes much better. So why not, instead of managing the functions of these individuals, instead 
manage their roles as a team. So you're actually restacking the deck, so to speak, or redealing the cards so that you are spending, instead of 15% of your time in your strength, you're spending 60, 70, 80, 90% of your time in your strengths, and everything goes three to eight times faster. Change from function management to role management. It's a transformation of the way we work. And watch what happens to your culture when that happens. Watch what happens to your performance as a business. <laughs> watch what happens to your HR department, right? When you're yeah. just not looking at, oh, this is what somebody went to school for, but it's like, no, this is the part of the work that they're best at, and then apply their education and their knowledge to it, right? Amazing. Incredible. Amazing. So in, the, in part one, we really did talk about, Alan, about finding the movers in order to get things done, right? Because they yeah. are the catalyst, right? In order to get things uh, started, having somebody say yes to your idea. And then, you know, for the purpose of today's podcast, we talked earlier um, and, you know, we want to specifically discuss on how to find and talk to the movers when you're trying to get things done in the implementation stage, because previously we talked about the ideation stage, which is very different uh, in regards to the roles of each of the team members. And, you know, one of the big challenge in the implementation stage is, um, you know, it, and a close word to it actually is interpretation. So this is when communication is absolutely critical. Uh, I think you talked in the first podcast, uh, Alan, that you said this is when it goes to command and control, right? right? So in addition, you can't get to implementation unless you've found the mover in ideation. So if you haven't listened to part one, go back and make sure you listen to that and how to find the mover and work through the ideation phase or stage. Um, but for the purpose of part two and how to get things done, you still have to find the mover because it's the mover that's going to make sure that the hoodoo method is used and to ensure that the process is used effectively and efficiently and with the least amount of chaos. So for our time with everyone today, we're going to talk about the implementation phase. And this comes after the ideation phase or stage, and after the decision um, is made on how to move forward. Um, so, you know, what we need to talk about right now is the challenge of the implementation stage with each strength involved. Yes, and there's an irony here, and that is the roles are reversed uh, when you switch to implementation. The roles uh, within the concept phase, which is about revenue, innovation, uh, and getting something new done, well, well, the and getting your idea, uh, as opposed to flip flop to the implementation stage. Now, that's all about uh, instead of revenue, it's about profitability, and instead of about innovation, it's about replication, doing the same thing over and over again. You've got to be able to do the same thing over and over again that you can make money at in order to be profitable. So the real leaders on the concept stage are the uh, concept stage are the movers and shakers. Now, listen carefully, on the implementation stage, the leaders are the provers and the makers. So the whole thing turns on its head. Now, and who doesn't want to be in the meeting during the implementation stage, we talked about that. You know, that was the, uh, what we talked about earlier was the maker who didn't want to be in, in the uh, 
meeting during the ideation stage, but the implementation stage is the shaker who doesn't want to be in the meeting. The leader now <laughs> <Of> course. <laughs> is, is the prover because the prover stands in between the mover and the maker. So uh, we call it the implementation triangle. Uh, in, the, in the first stage, the triangle was the shaker the mover and the prover. It was a mover who, who was the negotiator between the shaker and the prover. Now it's the prover who's the negotiator between the mover and the maker. Okay. So uh, the, uh, the, uh, the triangle is very important here because shaker's not in, not in the meeting and uh, so, and, and they can be brought in in case something, you know, they need some ideas to uh, get them unstuck. Uh, but then those ideas are going to have to go to the mover. So it's the mover who then stands with one foot out the door ready to negotiate with the shaker if, if need be. I know that sounds a little bit of, uh, a little bit complicated, but. Uh, no, that's because it's an art and a science. Yeah. <laughs> the science is 120 years old, but the art is balancing everything associated with it. And so, you know, it reminds me, Alan, of the old process, which is, you know, number one, get mad. Number two, act out. Number three, repeat. <laughs> So, yeah. you know, there's a way that each of these strengths get offended or triggered, right? And this is what they do. Um, and then it's, this is what they should do, right? So this is what we've done in the past. This is what we should do based off of getting the ultimate goal accomplished, right? Um, and with shakers, you know, if you, oh my gosh, if you go to a shaker and you've taken any part of what they created and you've changed it, right? You've oh changed my God. it. Like you've taken their their baby and like completely changed the face of their baby, right? So the yes. contextual word to offend a shaker really is change. Yes. Now to be differentiated, they, they love change as long as they create the change. <laughs> but don't you dare that. change yeah. what I've created. Yeah. Once something is already created, don't you dare change it and, and in fact uh i have a, a friend who was an advertising writer and he was so offended when somebody would want to mess with him or mess with his ideas that he would actually present his written advertising copy on a sheet and the, with his big headline on it and the big headline said don't you dare change a word of this so that's how offended people people can actually get when this happens now, the beautiful thing is you don't have to be that well defended because you have some magic words here you can use, and that is with the prover who's going to, who want, first of all, the prover's going to hear the details of your ideas so they can pick it apart. And once you give them the details, it's their duty to tell you what's going to go wrong. Well, the shaker's offended by this. So what the shaker can say is instead of fighting about it and saying, please be specific, okay? Number one, be specific. Number two, bring me the problem and and just give me the problem, and I'll come back with the solution for the problem. Now, this is headed off by the hoodoo method because it's the mover who stands in between the prover and the shaker. But there's a way to deal for all you movers. That's the way to deal with a uh, with a uh, 
shaker, and a prover. The prover needs to be specific and bring only the problems. That gives the shaker an opportunity to solve those problems and still have it be their own idea. Yeah, and refer back to trust the process. Because <laughs> everybody, you have to make an agreement, but you have to trust it, right? And so as a mover, one of the things you can offend a mover with, and, and as we've said, this is the linchpin, right? This is the person that makes ideas go forward and that say yes to ideas and that can really be that quote unquote monkey in the middle, right? That, that can balance the two. But if it's taking too much time, if you're not hitting the deadlines, you know, movers do not want the 100% solution. They want the 80% and build on it so that we can hit the deadline so we can get what needs to be done. And while the shakers and the provers are frustrated, right? Um, the movers are committed to like, this was the doing aspect of what we agreed to. This was the solution we agreed to. And of course, the shakers hate it when their idea is altered or adjusted or, you know, um, it, it, like hopefully not killed, but I guarantee you that actually happens in many uh, organizations. Oh, and then yeah. the provers hate it when their, you know, analysis gets ignored or disrespected. And, you know, and we're not even going into secondary strengths here, but the, the you know, mover is really in between the aspect of the shakers who are creating the ideas and the provers that are figuring out all the things that could go wrong with the ideas, right? Yep. And, and the way to solve this is by uh, addressing one of the biggest fears, and that is like, uh, well, if, if you say what's wrong with that idea, it's going to get killed or it's going to get changed or it's going to get dumbed down, and now I'm stuck with it. And that's my reputation, as we, as we talked about before. So the way to say that, to, to solve that, is, is, to, is to commit to changing it down the road. In other words, saying, look, we need to get this out right now. This is a temporary solution. And once this blows over, this emergency, we can go back and we can change it and we can work it out and make sure that the idea has all the integrity that you want it to have. So uh, because shakers want the best 100% idea and provers want to ensure that uh, 100% that nothing will go wrong. These are two conflicting objectives. Yeah, exactly. Like two opposites of the same, you know, coin. Oh, yeah. Built-in conflict. And then movers they just want to get on with it, so to speak. They want the 80%. What can we, 80% solution that we can implement right now, we can move ahead right now. So the answer to this is to show the shaker and prover they're not stuck with the outcome that we don't want, and we can change it down the road. And this actually happened with one of our clients who was trying to get a competitive product launched and the R&D group were mostly shakers and for some reason they didn't know why but they couldn't even get the, the shakers to do an, uh, uh, a schedule on getting a new product created. That What they're trying to do, their strategy was to create a Me Too product, kind of a knockoff and to go uh, mess up the test markets of a competitor with a similar product so they would screw up all their data they could do this really fast but the r&d people didn't want to do it so part of that was understanding shakers and saying and, and, and they said we're not going to do substandard work we're not going to do a me too product that's beneath us why would we do that <laughs> yeah on both sides of it <laughs> and, and so the fact 
that, that number one, this is only temporary, started to move them off the dime. Now, there was another piece, too, and here's a handy little piece. That just happened to be right after the Super Bowl where the uh, uh, L.A. Rams, uh, at the last minute, beat the Tennessee Titans uh, in the Super Bowl by defending, uh, tackling a guy at the one-yard line. Mm. who was about to score the winning touchdown. And so Kurt Warner, the quarterback, was the hero of that Super Bowl. He staged a big comeback. But they, but so I remember that we asked him, okay, who was the real hero? Was it Kurt Warner who staged the comeback? Or was it the guy who made the tackle that saved the touchdown that would have lost the game? In other words, can you see your way clear to playing defense some of the time? as well as just offense. Mm-hmm. So those two things together, they had a big aha. Boom, they had an implementation schedule in the next 30 minutes. And uh, <laughs> off they went. Because then they could, you know, okay, we can change it. We're not stuck with this. And we can do our magic later yeah, on. It's a balance of offense and defense. And sometimes, you know, in business, you get this all the time where it's, you know, sales or ops right? Or it's this or that. And re- truly when you're, you typically have very different strengths that navigate towards, you know, different departments within an organization based off their strengths. And instead of seeing themselves as a complete team, they see themselves as adversaries versus allies. Oh, definitely. The front, yeah. of, the front of the office versus the back of the office. Yeah. And they need each other. Right. It's like, and I love the um, quote that we always use, which is, "We need you all. We just don't need you at the same time." Yes. <laughs> and one of the things that we forget about sometimes is, you know, the maker. Right. So the maker is absolutely critical. Everyone is critical. The maker is critical as well. They just don't, you know, tend to. Well, they don't want at all to be in the ideation stage. And then when you move into the implementation stage, unless you've really gone through the process uh, quite a few times to flesh out the details, right, where there's no unknowns, this is the point where we come about and we go, this is what's going to happen. And these are the checklists that needs to happen. Uh, and this is what you're going to do. And, you know, this is when you're going to do it. And this is who in, is going to be involved. That's really when you bring your maker in. And your maker is somebody who is very, you know, um, at ease with doing the same thing every single day and they go you know, home and that's, if you walk through the office and you see the people whose desk is like absolutely completely perfect when they go home mm-hmm. <laughs> or leave for the day, the likelihood that they're a maker is probably pretty likely. And for them, you know, the challenge that they have in their, you know, that when they feel offended is when you bring them into a situation where they feel like, that you're taking their time away from the quote unquote real work, right? The, all the stuff that's already working, right? It's like, what are you doing? You're working on something new and a new adventure. We've got these things that are already working and these things that need to be done. And they really see this as being, you know, risky and, um, you know, not in their real house. Those are the people who invented the, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Phrase. <laughs> And to especially the shakers, the shakers and makers are from other planets and uh, from different planets. Very true. And so, so you want to be very careful with the maker, and that is uh, to, to to understand them as best you can. And 
don't go to them with an idea. An idea is a dangerous thing, but uh, when all the details are all flushed out, then it's a strategy, it's a tactical plan. That's a different thing because they want to look at it in relation to the system. They want to be able to make sure it fits into the system and that uh, that the details are all flushed out and they don't feel like it's too risky. And just to show you how different these people are, I remember we were doing some designing some uh, baseball caps with the client at one time and, uh, you know, took them through the process and all the ideas uh, were great. And we actually decided to test them. So we tested them in the shopping mall and then we're going to take our feedback and finish the process. And so uh, we had a, I was talking to the maker on the thing and I said, how'd the test go? And he said, it went great. Uh, he says a couple of these designs really blew the doors off it, and uh, and he told me which one, and there was one I really liked, and I said, "Great!" So, uh, uh, what's next? He was in charge of the charge of the caps. I said, "How many are you going to produce?" And he says, well, "We're not going to produce any more of those." And I said, "Yeah, but, but didn't you just tell me it tested really well?" He says, "Yeah, that's the problem." I said, "What do you mean?" He said, well, if we order, if we order some of those, I'm just going to have to keep ordering them again. <laughs> that reminds me of the other really? person who said, like, remember in part one? So if you haven't listened to part one of this podcast, is there was someone who basically confide, confided and said, oh, well, I act like I don't understand just simply so I don't have to do that. Oh. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the company who was... Uh, that 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 is kind of a trademark a defense of a of a maker is to say i don't get it and uh so what happens is that about half the people in the room want to explain it to the maker and mm-hmm. then the maker kind of goes <laughs> yeah charcoals. and then it, then at one time explain somebody on the side he said why do you keep saying i don't get it do you really not get it and i said no i get it well, why are you saying that then? Oh, because the time they, they take to explain it to me is t- time not spent implementing the idea that I don't want to implement. <laughs> so it's the world's greatest <laughs> delaying time. Yeah, it's just so disruptive, right? They're like, you're, you got to keep your, and thank goodness for makers, right? All of us are needed. We're just needed at different times. And if we didn't have the makers, we really wouldn't have those workhorses, but at the same time, they're going to lean themselves to their strengths and then also, you know, keep themselves from having to do anything outside of the ordinary. Right. And so we all have our, there, there's the, uh, you know, run home to mommy for the makers. <laughs> That's right. By the way, I, you know what you just said? I don't what? get it. I'm just going to make you it. explain it. To, so you didn't, well, never mind. That was so good. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Thanks. I, I'm glad you jumped in there as the maker, but you do have to be prepared. You have to be prepared as a leader for all of the different strengths. You know, like you said, even we sometimes as our master trainer group goes out and guess what? We might have a really long-term training and we can't deny who we are. <laughs> we no, just we can't. right in there. And so being aware of each is you just have to be aware and have to be aware of the language. And, you know, it's kind of interesting because depending if you are, you know, somebody who's an earlier adopter and probably a little bit more, you know, risk comfortable or late adopter, more risk adverse, 
I really love uh, this great quote by Michael Jordan, um, which uh, says, you know, nobody ever scored a shot that they didn't take. Absolutely. At the end of the day, you take the shot, you figure it out, you figure out who's on your team, you know, you try to figure out who's, you know, you know, what their strengths are, how you can uh, be more effective in your business. And at the end of the day, hope that you make it. Yep. Just, and just take, you know, as a, the great movie, uh, what about Bob who was Bill Murray and Richard Dreyfus? Baby steps. You know, the, guy, the psychiatrist was a jerk, but he had the greatest book title ever. <laughs> baby steps. You can do this. All of you who are listening, you can do this. Just take baby steps. Take a step at a time. You know, do something. See what you did. Commit to it. Do the next thing. And pretty soon, you're pretty far down the road before you even know it. I love it. Awesome. Well, I always enjoy our time together. Uh, and then part two was awesome because we didn't even plan out what we were going to talk about. We just, it kind of came out of part one and how to get things done. And um, it's always, you know, a pleasure to work through this with you, Alan, and, you know, support our listeners and looking forward to our next podcast. Yep. All righty, you. Have a good day. You too. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the People Catalyst podcast. And remember... It's a good life.